we're at our best. We're at our absolute best with our talent, with people, with our relationships when we're on the love pathway. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hey, listeners of the podcast, we've put together an exciting community where you can dive deeper into the content of every single episode. And for those of you who join this community from the podcast, we'll give you an access to a course we've just put together worth $500, all yours for free, while we're sending this out to our listeners of the podcast. Simply go to sellingwithlove.com forward slash podcast to be eligible to get this course for free. And we look forward to seeing you in the community. Thanks again for listening. And now, Enjoy the episode. Welcome, welcome everybody to the Selling with Love podcast. Very excited to have Larry Kendall is going to be joining me today. Man has been the author of the book Ninja Selling Subtle Skills with Big Results. Now, the man has been a top realtor in the state of Colorado, actually number one realtor back in 2006, and has actually been now training so many people in the art of sales. He's a super connector. He has a chance to actually have, I believe now your brokerage is over. 190 if not 200 people are working within your firm uh, and you've trained thousands and thousands of realtor and sales professionals around the world especially teaching them the skills around ninja selling we're going to break down a bit more about what does ninja selling mean how do you get to apply it and you're going to realize how much a power of mindset is actually going to come in the way as well so you can be empowered excited and moving forward in growing your business and making a difference in the process larry welcome to the show Oh, thanks, Jason. It's an honor to be on your program. And it's an honor to have you as well. Now, your book, I'm going to give some praise right away because it not only combines the mindset piece, which I know there's a ton of books on sales mindset, including my own, is quite heavy on mindset. But you also have so many parts that's well-structured to take you through specific steps to get you to overcome sales and actually have a prescription on what to do. In the book, you quote a couple people I really admire, such as Joseph Murphy, as well as Marianne Williamson. You talk about the power of the subconscious mind. You speak about love in your sales process as well, as particularly when the absence of fear and being stuck in your head. And I'd love for you to talk more about that mindset piece about overcoming fears and what are the typical fears people face when you're in their sales role. Yeah, I first heard that fear is the absence of love from Marianne Williamson. And then I began to explore some of the science behind it, which is a part of the brain called the reticular activating system. It's a filtering and focusing device in our brain, and it runs on two pathways, love and fear. And those two pathways are mutually exclusive, so you can't be on both at the same time. So if you're on the fear pathway, you cannot be on love. If you're on the love pathway, then you're not on fear. So fear is the absence of love. Love is the absence of fear. When you find yourself afraid, get off of that pathway, move over onto the love pathway. And I found one of the easiest ways to do that is simply start thinking about something you're grateful for. And gratitude is a tremendous energy, and it will move you over onto the the love pathway. What we find is that we're at our best. We're at our absolute best with our talent, with people, with our relationships when we're on the love pathway. You know, when we're in fear, it locks up our energy. It puts us into either a state of high negative or low negative energy state. And so one of the things we talk about in the book is how to manage your emotional energy, how important that is. 
We also get into some sports psychology that's related to that. As we say, three keys to success in any business is your mindset, your skill set, and your actions. And Jason, you just start out with the most important one, which is your mindset. Yeah, I think the mindset piece actually, I've had times that I'd overlooked it, Larry, like I've done some training and I had some clients and to me, I was like, you know what? The only reason their negative mindset is there is because I just need to give them the skills and the tools and put them into action. And it did move a little bit, but every single move was with the foot on the brake and it was such a struggle. And then I'd get questioning. It's like, why aren't they following the process? Only to realize that the mindset plays an even bigger part than most people assume. I try to deny it. I'm going to be honest. I was like, no, no, no. The mindset doesn't need to happen. Just follow these steps, do this. And then I see people are just like staring at it. They're not taking action on it. They're not focused at all. And that's when I kind of went to 180 and I realized, you know what? I think mindset's the biggest piece you can move because the rest becomes within grasp when your mindset is actually looking for it. And speaking of focus, I think there's a formula that you break down that most people don't assume how much more power and how much more movement happens when you are really, really focused. You call it the net forward energy ratio. And I thought that was a brilliant example of showing people what happens when you get very specific and very focused in the way that you do your sales or even just run your business. And I want you to share us more about what happens when you focus, because sometimes you think, oh, I'm just going to double my results if I focus a bit more. But it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's exponential. So, for example, in the book, we talk about if you're 60 percent focused and 40 percent distracted, your net forward energy ratio is 60 divided by 40, you know, so which is 1.5. So, yeah, you're moving forward. Uh, you're, you're making progress. But if you can increase your focus from 60% to 80%, now your net forward energy ratio is 80 divided by 20, which is 4.0. So you've gone from 1.5 to 4.0. With just a little bit more focus, you've more than doubled your results. And of course, if you go to 90%, then it's 90 divided by 10 is 9. Now you've gone from 4.0 to 9.0, and now you've more than doubled again. And so Focus is so important, and we teach some techniques, you know, on how to improve your focus and so on, but we live in a world of distraction. It's very easy to get distracted. It's very easy to get off track, and focus is very, very important. Yeah, you speak of this ratio, and I'd love to throw it to everybody listening, is just think on a percentage ratio of your entire day. How much are you spending for your percentages on focused work versus distraction work? And I think that's what gives you that ratio. So you take your focus work and divide it by the distraction, right? And that number ends up being the ratio. And at a minimum, you're trying to be on the positive side, or at least higher than one is what I understand. Right. And that's just at a 50%, right? So the baseline is actually quite achievable. Like if you want to think about being at least productive at a normal rate, what we would consider a normal level of productivity, that's a 50% focus, 50% distraction. So at least the benefit here is understanding that there's a very low bar to cross to become a high performer is try to be more focused than distracted half of the time. But if you want to be a top performer is you can really start being much more focused and you realize that this compounds in a way that's much more than anybody can even think about. So defending that energy becomes really, really important. Can you speak about some of those exercises people can think about to bring that ratio a little higher? You bet. The most important hour of your day is the first hour. It sets the tone for your entire day and your focus for the day. So we always recommend that you start your day with an exercise we call the Ninja Five, five habits to start your day. If you want, I can briefly go through those. 
Habit number one is your gratitudes and affirmations. Gratitudes will put you in the love pathway or the positive energy state. Affirmations will remind you of your goals. Second habit then is to time block your day and your week. So you basically take your to-do list and schedule it. One thing here that's very important is that you don't open your devices first thing in the morning because you want to stay on your agenda. You've got these five habits you need to accomplish. The minute you open your email or open your text, open any of your platforms, all at once, whose agenda are you on? You're on everybody else's agenda. And what has happened to your focus now? Your focus is on, you know, that list of things to do or their agenda. That's the focus. So habit number two is staying on your agenda, time blocking your day and your week, scheduling your to-do list. Habit number three then is writing two personal notes. Most powerful thing you can send to another human is a handwritten personal note, becoming more powerful because less people are doing it. Habit number three then is to take a look at your hot list. Now, if you're in sales, your hot list is a list of people that wanna buy or sell fairly soon. In real estate, it would be in the next 90 days. And you need to focus on those people. That should be your top priority, is that group. And you ask yourself two questions. Question number one is, is there anybody here that's ready to write a contract today? That should be my top priority, my top focus for the day. That's what it would be. Second question is, what is the next step for them in the process? What do I need to do to help them move forward? So again, it's all about focus. Focus on your hot list. And then the fifth habit is to focus on your warm list which is people that want to buy or sell but because they're going through maybe some life change, but maybe in the next year. So they're not immediate. And if you're not in sales, you know, the hot list would be, what do I have to get done today? Okay, what can't wait till tomorrow. This has got to be done today. I need to, at first hour in the morning, focus on that, you know, know what my agenda is for that day. Your warm list maybe would be what has to get done this week. So it doesn't have to be done today, but it needs to be done fairly soon. I find that, and I've interviewed so many top producing salespeople, and they say the Ninja Five, those five habits in the morning, have really transformed their business. And the reason is because they're more focused. And we learned earlier what happens when you increase your focus, your net forward energy ratio improves dramatically, exponentially, your results improve exponentially, and you know suddenly you've transformed your business and your career. I love the Ninja Five. And Larry, I will make one correction that I like to tell everyone is I personally feel everyone is in sales. So we just need that one model. And even if you don't think you're directly related in sales, I would still encourage listeners to this podcast to focus on the first Ninja Five, where if you're not currently selling a product or service, you're maybe trying to hire people, raise money, or trying to connect and build your network. And those are key activities as well. So I would say keep a hot list and a warm list and always be building your network. I definitely love that part. Although I agree, we should be productive as well. I wanted to go back to a quote that I thought was really powerful. And by the way, I'll have to share you one of my quotes because you'll see we speak a similar language, which is why I think I really appreciate your book. As you said, as a human, I am both a sender and a receiver of energy. I broadcast energy as a frequency based on what I am thinking or feeling. Others receive this energy and they call it a vibe. Now, I'll add my own definition because I think you'll appreciate this, which is selling is nothing more than an energy exchange between conscious beings. And when you know what you offer is so much more than what you ask in return, that's what the energy of love is. So I feel like we could probably connect on that part. Now, 
Everybody that's paying attention here, we got Larry Kendall. I'm talking about ninja selling. And so if you are excited about ninja selling, increasing your sales, really doing it in a way that is aligned with your value, coming from a place of love, you'll definitely want to check out the show notes. We are going right into the piece of mindset so far, but there's so much more to this that we're going to dive into that really makes it powerful when you show up. And I want to talk about these specific strategies moving forward. So it's so funny, Larry, by this point that I was through the book, you know, the first part really focuses on this mindset. And if you would have finished the book there, you would have then ended up with a great book on ninja selling, teaching you the mindset, the habits, the practice to really make you a top performer. But that was just the beginning of the book. What blew my mind is you have, I think, over 30 chapters in there because then you start being very prescriptive and you start giving some very tangible answers to skill gaps that most people have in sales. And I'd love to touch on a few of these for the listeners. One of them is when I speak with people that are early stage in their sales and they're trying to understand their avatar, they're trying to understand who they sell to, I often suggest for them to go on, call it discovery calls or research calls so that they can get more understanding of what problems they have and what they're looking to solve, what they've tried, etc. And you speak about these Ford questions, which I think are so powerful. And for a lot of people that I speak to, they're like, okay, I can book a call with these people using the scripts you told me, but I don't even know what to say when I get on a call with them. I'd love for us to share a bit more about these four questions and how powerful it is. You bet. One of the things, as I mentioned, when I was taught the what I call depression-era selling techniques, it was all about closing, close early, close often, ABC, always be closing, or asking for referrals. Who do you know that wants to buy or sell? Who do you know that wants to buy or sell? And what I found was that if you use that, people shy away, they move away from you you find yourself chasing them and you're pursuing, you're caught up in what we call the pursuer distance or dance. Instead, what you want is to have them coming towards you to attract them. And the best way to do that is to ask questions about what we call forward. The first question is, the F stands for family and friends. Tell me about your family. Or maybe see if you have mutual friends. And that's a great conversation starter. It's very comfortable. People aren't going to run away from you. In fact, they love to talk about their family. They love to talk about if you have mutual friends. O stands for occupation. My favorite question is, hey, how's business? Or how's work? Or, you know, what's going on at work? They like to talk about that. R stands for recreation. My favorite question, what are you doing for fun? They love to talk about what they're doing for fun. And then dreams is D. And that's really a category, anything about the future. You wouldn't go up to somebody and say, hey, <laughs> what are your dreams? I mean, that'd be a little bit creepy. But you would go up and say, you know, hey, what are your plans for the summer? What are your plans for the holidays? Or your daughter's graduating this year. What are her plans? Anything about the future? And these are great rapport building questions, but they're more than that. If you listen carefully to what they say about their family, about their careers, about what's bringing them joy, about their hopes and their dreams, listen carefully for change. If there's pain or pleasure in any of those four areas, in real estate, it's probably gonna affect their real estate. And so that's how we, we don't make sales calls, we do interviews and we do Ford interviews. We just simply ask people the Ford questions and we listen for change and then we offer service. If they're thinking about, you know, their daughter's going to college and they're thinking about maybe buying a home for her to live in there, Okay, we offer service, but you know, we found the Ford interview is kind of part of the core, just like the Ninja Five, a morning routine. It's part of Core Ninja, and you'll find that opens a tremendous number of doors. Ford questions are real door openers. 
Yeah, I think that's powerful and super prescriptive. Although I will say, you know, I'm based in Bali and there's a lot of spiritual people here in Bali. I'm talking mostly about the immigrants like me that have come to live here. And you could probably get away with saying like, tell me about your dreams because so many people are on the eat, pray, love journey. And I think that would be a question most people would be like, oh, I'll tell you, I had all of this. And <laughs> maybe that's when you start offering your product and services. And I do want to call out because you hear Larry here is using a lot of the references from the real estate world, but I find it very fascinating for those of you who are in coaching, consulting, and small business owners. And I'll pick on the coaching part because I know a lot of the listeners here are coaches. This is exactly the same type of things you want to pay attention to. And what I like from the four questions, paying attention to what changes they want to see. Because if you're offering any kind of let's say in personal coaching or life coaching, understanding that they have some struggles or change that they want to have with their families and friends within their own organization or where they actually work, how they're doing their hobbies and the balance they have in their life and the dreams they want to achieve. That's usually a powerful place. You can discover what is the major thing that you can help them with so they can achieve these dreams, make those changes, be more comfortable. And so the four question, I love how prescriptive it is and how it can actually unblock anybody who's starting these conversations to be able to understand their people better and actually design products that really help them get that breakthrough. Now, another thing that I think is quite ninja and prescriptive, Larry, you speak about how, you know, we shouldn't treat everyone the same. There's very different profiles based on who you're talking to. Uh, and you talk about the four different people. I think it's the four P's here. And I want you to talk more about these different categories so that we can understand who we're talking to and how we can modify our sales approach. You bet. And I think what you're referring to, Jason, we call it the platinum rule, which uh, the golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated. The platinum rule is no, don't treat them the way you want to be treated, treat them the way they want to be treated. And the first thing you need to know is what is their personality type? And we use kind of a takeoff on the DISC personality profiles. A lot of people are familiar with those. Many people have difficulty remembering what the D, the I, the S, and the C stand for. So we've renamed them or relabeled them. The D personality, the driver personality, we call them a power person. They are very quick decision makers. They're willing to take risks. They won't give you very much time. The I personality is what we call the party person. They focus on the now. Am I having fun now? They're big on relationships. They like to work in groups. They are risk takers. The S personality type is what we call a peace person. And interestingly, in the United States, that's the largest percentage are peace people, and they don't like risk. They would never, for example, want the adjustable rate mortgage. They want the 30-year fixed. They want insurance or they want warranties. They like a sure thing, and they like to take longer to make a decision. They don't like to be rushed, and trust is huge for them. Do they trust you? Do they trust themselves? Do they trust the process? And it takes them some time. And then the last personality is what we call the perfection people which in the disk would be the C. They want time because they want to build a spreadsheet. They want to collect data. They want more information. They want to make a really good decision. And again, they don't like to take a lot of risks. And so what we know is that people have different personality types. They have different decision strategies. We need to be able to figure out what those are by asking the right questions, watching the body language, watching how they respond. And we can pick up you know, what personality type they are. And then we need to tailor our communication with them to fit what they want and to treat them the way they want to be treated. Yeah, I think that's a, actually it was one of the first profiling tests that I think I did in my early 20s, the DISC or DISC. 
and myself, I definitely think I'm a party piece person. I think that was the first and the second one, which is very funny because in my model, when I tell people to choose their target market, I always say, well, do business with people you think are fun to do business with, which is a very, <laughs> a very high trait of the I or the party person here. But, you know, it really brings that level of compassion to understand that, hey, you shouldn't be actually speaking to the perfection person the same way you would speak to that party person. There's such a difference in the way that they want to operate and the way they want to be communicated with. And so by having this understanding, are there quick ways you can pick up? Just, I think the labels really help you, but that's something you can decide quite quickly when you have that conversation. Well, one of the things that helps is to know their profession. Typically power people tend to be CEOs, entrepreneurs, sometimes attorneys, but you can tell that they have this urgency about them. And their urgency is to get to the future. And are you going to help me get to the future? Are you on, in my way, on my way to the future? And they want to get on with it. If you take too long, you know, if you're normal, let's say your listing consultation is an hour, they'll, they'll give you maybe 15 minutes. Uh, they'll give you longer if they're doing the talking. But if you're doing all the talking, it's fingernails on a chalkboard for them, would be an example. And... You know, you can go around through different personality types. You can pick up by their body language, by what they say. What they, when you ask the Ford questions, they'll answer that in the context of their personality. And one of the challenges is then is adapting. So, for example, a power person who's a very quick decision maker can overpower a peace person or a perfection person who wants to take their time. Likewise, if you're a peace or perfection person, you're working with a power personality you're going to need to speed it up, amp it up a little bit. One of the other dynamics that could be a challenge is the dynamic of the perfection and the party. Perfection people tend to be very detail-oriented, party people not so much. And, um, and so if you're a party person working with a perfection person, they're going to ask for a lot of data. It's going to kind of drive you crazy, but you need to do it. If you're a party person and you're communicating with a perfection person, keep in mind your emails better be perfect because theirs are, okay? <laughs> and that they're going to want the data and they're going to want to take some time. So it becomes fun to basically modify and provide basically what we call a platinum level of service, the platinum rule. I love this. And again, I love how practical this can be and how much you can use this within the way that you sell, which brings me to one of the final elements of the book that I thought I wanted to really highlight here, which was this whole shift in the way that you approach sales based on wanting to control the process versus controlling the decision. And I think, you know, as salespeople, we feel like we want to be in control of everything, control the conversation, control everything. And I loved how you actually had that approach and you actually showed how different it is from process to decision. Could you tell us more about that? You bet. Well, first of all, we believe the client or the customer should have what we call time of possession. So they should be talking about 75 to 80% of the time. We should be talking 20 to 25% of the time. We have a process of a series of questions where we ask the questions and we control those questions. They can answer however they want. And this will give us an idea of where this is going to go. We have a saying, we control the process, they control the decisions. We're not trying to sell them. Basically, why we exist is to help them go from the life they have to the life they dream about. That's what we're here to do. And so the first thing we need to do is find out where are they and where do they want to go and what do we need to do to help them uh, achieve their goals or achieve their dreams. And so our process is, first of all, we connect, and then we ask a series of questions. We call that the information step. 
And then based upon what they tell us, it sounds like there's a solution or a couple of solutions. And then we propose those to them. So we don't sell, we what we call solve. And in real estate, we have on the buyer side, we have a, 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 a buyer process that we go through. It's a 10-step process. Uh, with sellers, it's a 16-step process. We just go through it 16 questions. We call them the sweet 16 questions. Again, we're in control of the process, the interview, if you will, but they're in control of the decision. I absolutely love it. Now, Larry, thank you so much for coming here. And I know we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. When you go down into ninja selling, there are some prescriptive and ways that you can apply exactly how you can approach sales, the skills you need. So you have no gaps and showing up and doing what works. I think that's one of the beautiful things that comes from ninja selling. I think that's why you won book of the year award, because it has such a key component that oftentimes I've seen missed in a lot of sales books. And, you know, it begs the question, you know, of everything you could have labeled is that ninja is the word that was used. Was there a particular reason why ninja was the word? <laughs> well, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the name ninja came from one of our top salespeople who had amazing customer satisfaction and also the highest income per hour of anybody I'd ever worked with. And his nickname in our office was the ninja. So I documented what he was doing and helped put that together and kind of named the book after him. Ninja selling is really designed to be, you know, ninjas are kind of the invisible warrior. So it's selling without selling. It's just the opposite, of, really, of traditional sales. It's also put together, and you mentioned this, Jason, in the form of a system. So that if you follow the process, if you follow the system, you'll get predictable results. And one of the things that's kind of unique about our program is that it's designed for anybody of any personality that'll work, or really any sales product or service. Regardless of your market, regardless of your product, regardless of your service, regardless of your personality, we've scrubbed all that out. And what we have is something that will work for everybody, regardless of their personality. And so that was very important. I've trained, you know, literally thousands of top producers and what I find is much of the time, their success is a function of their very unique personality. And it's not a teachable skill. I mean, we need something that we can teach to anybody of any personality in any market, and it'll work for them. Beautiful. Larry, thank you so much for coming here and sharing just a glimpse of the amazing knowledge that's contained in your book and in your trainings. For everybody listening, we're going to make sure there is a link in the show notes to pick up a copy of Ninja Selling. It's a powerful book. I had a joy reading it. And I find that because it's divided into so many small chapters, it's easy to pick up. It's easy to jump to what is that thing that you are struggling with. With sales, you can jump to that sections very powerfully. But really, when you go from front to back, you're going to learn so much around mindset, skills, and really having a system to help you sell in the process. Larry, you are on the Selling with Love podcast. So there's one question I would love to close with, which is what does selling with love mean to you? What selling with love means to me, and I mentioned it earlier, is our mission. Why we exist is to help people go from the life they have to the life they dream about. And that I think is an act of love when we can do that. Our goal is not to make a sale. Our goal is to help them get to the next chapter of their lives. Amen to that. Larry, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing everything. And for all you listeners, keep selling with love. And of course, keep selling like a ninja as well. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.